This is an ABC podcast. This is Baby Talk Podcast with Penny Johnston. It's been a tough two years to be a new parent. COVID-19 has turned our worlds upside down and it's made almost everything about being a parent harder. But as the world struggled to find a way through the pandemic, finally we have vaccines that seem to be working pretty well in preventing the worst of the disease. But there have been concerns about a vaccine that seems just so new. But there's also been a fair bit of complacency. Many people still believe that the worst effects of COVID-19 only gets to people with a comorbidity or people with something else seriously wrong with them. That may have been easier to believe before the Delta variant. The problem is pregnancy is the risk factor. So yes, it's more likely if women who are pregnant have got diabetes, high blood pressure, overweight, they're smoking, that kind of thing. Yeah, they're more likely to have more severe disease. But even just being pregnant on its own makes you a high-risk group. We are in the middle of a very severe pandemic and being pregnant, unfortunately, places you at high risk that you're going to need to come to hospital. And if you're going to need to come to hospital, you're going to need some treatments. And, you, you know, there's a likelihood that you can be quite unwell and you may need to be born early and more likely to have a caesarean section and all, all of those things. That was Associate Professor Dr Ryan Hodges, one of the few obstetricians in Australia who specialises in caring for the highest risk pregnancies. He's also the head of perinatal services at Monash Health, where he leads the high-risk pregnancy program for Victoria's largest maternity service. So what is his advice for pregnant women? What do we know about how COVID affects a baby? And what's the worst that can happen if you get COVID-19? And is it even just safer to wait and see? So let's ask the expert. Professor Hodges, your professional interest is in high-risk pregnancy. Now, I'm interested in how this has played out for the last almost two years with COVID-19. Yes, I'm a maternal fetal medicine subspecialist. So that's an obstetrician who then undertakes additional training just in high-risk pregnancy. Um, And I've worked in Europe and in North America and here at Monash. And yeah, here at Monash, we look after probably the highest risk uh, pregnancies in Victoria. And that's because we're a large general hospital where we have adult intensive care along with neonatal intensive care to look after the babies. So we tend to see the sickest mums and the sickest babies um, and everyone's um, co-located right here at Monash Women's. So it's a very busy place. Um, So we're used to looking after women with transplants, women with severe heart disease, cystic fibrosis, um, blood clotting problems, etc., and all those women who are at risk of having their baby born very early or with their babies um, who occasionally even need treatment in the womb and then those babies who need treatment and surgery in an intensive care environment immediately after birth, often born preterm. So that's what we do, and we look after lots and lots of mums and babies. We look after 10,000 mothers and their babies every year at Monash Health, so that's the largest provider of maternity care in Victoria. So we're very proud to say one in eight Victorian babies are Monash babies. And um, it's certainly a really busy place to work, but it's a wonderful team of uh, obstetricians, midwives, allied health team who come to work every day to really try and make a difference for everyone we see. How has the last almost two years been for you with a pandemic? The the pandemic has just changed so much, not only in maternity care, but in, in care right across the board. I think one of the big challenges has really been how we can provide access to care for our community when they need it. 
and when they do need it, how we can provide that care with the highest quality and safety standards that we would normally have, but equally keeping our workforce safe, keeping our consumers safe when they come and see us, because the last thing we want is any outbreak of coronavirus in a hospital. We need to make sure that our workforce are protected and fit and healthy so that they can continue to do what they do. And it's really challenging. I mean, in, in maternity, you know, having a baby is a, a very special time of, time of life and women and their families do need to access healthcare. And that means they actually need to come to hospital and need to come to hospital regularly to have appointments to see their midwife or doctor, to have ultrasound examinations of their babies, to have blood tests, and then to give birth to their baby and then care for the baby and learn how to be a new parent and to go home safely and to have care at home. And that's a really challenging time. It's a wonderful time, as many of us know. But when we add in a pandemic, that access to care is just so, so important. And it's not like the rest of the hospital where sometimes we can do a lot of telehealth, where we can keep people home. Women and their families need to come and see us. So we need to create an environment that's safe, that is woman and family centred, despite us all looking like Ned Kelly. With our visors and our, our masks and our gowns, we still need to create an environment that's a positive experience. So that's the real challenge, still providing the best care, still providing the very best in experience, but also trying to keep everyone safe. So, yeah, it's been really hard and we're, we're pretty tired, it's fair to say. Yeah, I can believe that. Somebody once told me that really to have a baby is the only reason that healthy people end up in the hospital system. And, yeah, I guess it's difficult keeping the two streams of people coming to you separate. It's it's huge. And, and again, you know, we're, we're very mindful that having a baby is a wonderful experience and so to come into hospital so to go through all the checklists to have your temperature checked to see everybody in masks and shields communications challenging um, women who are deaf for example it's really hard to lip read um, how we women who are non-english speaking it's really challenging how we communicate you can't have lots of support persons with you because of the restrictions that we've had to put in place it's a real we're really mindful it's really really challenging um, and there's a lot of fear in the community as well, and people are worried and people are anxious. And so, um, you know, it's a very special opportunity for us, though, as healthcare professionals to continue to provide that care, but we've really had to do so in a, in perhaps in a different way and really focus on our communication and focus on safety, but also remembering the positive impact that we as healthcare professionals can have in the life of a new mother and a new baby and new support, support family at with this virus still running wild. It's uh, really hard. Have you cared for women who've actually suffered from COVID whilst they've been pregnant? Yes. I mean, we have a, we have a team here. We're working really hard. As, as I speak to you at the moment, we've got eight women here at Monash. Four of them are in the intensive care unit, very unwell. Four others uh, are on our ward requiring oxygen. That's at the very moment I'm speaking to you now. We've got eight. Um, in the last month, we've had 50 women pregnant with COVID-19 requiring admission to hospital, 10 of those have been in intensive care. Now, these numbers are nothing like what we saw in the first wave. In the first wave, in the early parts of the pandemic, when Victoria was very successful at squashing, squashing the first and then the bigger second wave, we had around 100 women over that time. One woman was in intensive care. And we've had 10 through here at Monash, four at the moment. Uh, the Delta variant, unfortunately, does result in more severe disease. And we've seen 
too many sick women too early in this next wave. We're not yet at the peak. So to have 50 women in the last month has been heartbreaking because we have a group of women who have been really sick. We've had a group of women who unfortunately haven't been vaccinated and it's been really challenging for not only them and their pregnancies but also their loved ones at home and it's been really challenging for all of our staff in order to provide all of that specialised care along with providing all the care for the many other families that are still coming to hospital to have their baby. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a very, very challenging time. Have you noticed adverse effects or, or more adverse effects of this Delta variant on pregnant women? Yeah, this virus, it's so tricky. And, and the reason I say that is around two thirds of women can have hardly any symptoms. You know, you can have very, very mild symptoms, may not even know you've got it. We do t- detect it occasionally on women when we do swabs and they don't have any symptoms. But then for around 20 to 30%, they will have symptoms, fever, cough, shortness of breath, sore throat, muscle aches and pains, vomiting, diarrhea, feeling unwell. And then around one in 10 can get really, really sick. And then when we look at the Delta variant, compared to what we saw with the previous variants, you're five times more likely to need to come to hospital if you are pregnant compared to women who are the same age, otherwise same health status, but just not pregnant. So five times more likely to need to come to us at Monash. And then if you do need to come to us at Monash because you're unwell enough to need admission to hospital, we know that one in three of you will need to have oxygen. And that's a very high number of women who are generally in their 20s, 30s, 40s, who are otherwise fit and healthy. For one in three of them who need to come and see us to need oxygen, these are high numbers. One in seven will need our intensive care unit. One in four end up having their baby born early, often needing our intensive care unit. One in two women have a caesarean section. So these are very high numbers, and this is, this is much more severe with the Delta variant than what we saw previously. We, we don't see that degree of problem with influenza in pregnancy. Most women do have an influenza vaccination in pregnancy, which certainly helps to protect them from that. But yeah, this is, this, this is different. This is very different, and the, and the severity that we're seeing here at Monash yeah, it's really concerning. It sounds like this has sort of moved the goalposts because up until now, most most people who are younger, reasonably fit, it's been easy to go, oh, yeah, it's only, you know, people in their 70s, oh, oh yeah, they had something else wrong with them. But this isn't the case anymore. No, it's, uh, it's, it's different. And the problem is pregnancy is the risk factor. So, yes, it's more likely if women who are pregnant have got diabetes, high blood pressure, overweight, they're smoking, that kind of thing, yeah, they're more likely to have more severe disease. But even just being pregnant on its own makes you a high-risk group. And that's, that's the challenging message, because we, we don't want a message here of fear. We, you know, we, we want women to, to be empowered in their pregnancy. We want them to be celebrating um, this very special time in their life, and we want women you know, and their families enjoying what is, you know, it's, it's a wonderful time of life. But they do have to understand that we are in the middle of a very severe pandemic and being pregnant, unfortunately, places you at higher risk that you're going to need to come to hospital. And if you're going to need to come to hospital, you're going to need some treatments. And, you, you know, there's a likelihood that you can be quite unwell and you may need to be born early and more likely to have a caesarean section and all, all of those things. And that's where we have to just start to shift our mindset a little bit around 
you know, previously we talked about all the things you need to avoid. You need to avoid the soft cheeses, the sushi, the medications in pregnancy, and so on. But this is probably no longer that conversation about what to avoid. It's now what you need to do to keep you and your baby safe. And that's, that's vaccination. It's hard. It's a really hard conversation to have because it's not the type of conversation we have previously. It's now what you need to do. What's the risk of miscarriage if you get COVID-19? COVID-19 can result in a raft of pregnancy complications, but um, generally we're not seeing any additional risks in miscarriage or congenital abnormalities in the babies from being infected with COVID-19. What we do see with COVID-19 is the mums can become unwell, as I've described. We do see a bit of extra risk of a condition called preeclampsia, which is where you have high blood pressure in pregnancy and it can also make the placenta not work as well and therefore babies don't grow as well. And some babies need to be born early because they're not growing well. So that's preeclampsia. And then the other one is preterm birth. So for women who are unwell with COVID-19, um, there's a higher likelihood of needing to have the baby born early. And there's also a high rate, unfortunately, of stillborn. And that risk is twice as high for women without COVID-19. Now, that absolute number is still small, thankfully, but it's still a higher chance of it happening. So they're all of the, all of the additional risks from the infection itself. And the only way to safely prevent that happening is vaccination. Now, for the people that are vaccine hesitant, I, I guess it's, it's understandable to go, look, I'm pregnant, I don't want to dice with my baby's health or, or future. How do we know that the vaccine isn't going to cause more problems than me potentially getting through COVID-19? Absolutely, Penny. You should see how late I run in my consulting now because of, of this conversation. And it's not an easy conversation. It's one we have to spend time on. These are, it's not just a quick decision. Women need to understand the facts and they need to be empowered in their decisions. And what we do know is from quite large databases now um, throughout the UK and in North America that vaccination we're currently up to, I think it's up to about 220,000 women now on the databases who have had immunisation with uh, Pfizer or Moderna. There's no increased risk in miscarriage. When you compare it to women who haven't had the vaccine, we're not seeing any difference in miscarriage rates at all. We're not seeing any difference in congenital abnormalities. We're not seeing any difference in babies born too small. We're not seeing any difference in stillbirth between the two groups. We're not seeing any difference in pregnancy complications with the mums. It's just not there. And that's the information that women need to hear. Now the question I always, sorry, I should also say that the other advantage of vaccination is that the mum's immune response, not the vaccination, this is not a live vaccination. So the mum's immune response to the vaccination does call centre and that immune response is present in the baby. So there have been some studies where they took some blood samples from the umbilical cord of babies when they're born and sure enough, there's the mum's immune system in there, not the vaccine. The immune system is there ready to protect the babies. And then for mums who continue breastfeeding or those women who have a vaccination while breastfeeding, that immune system continues to cross to the baby. So there's protection there for the baby. 
Now, that's, that's not new. We, we recommend flu vaccination, whooping cough in pregnancy all the time, standard of care in order to protect the mum and to protect the baby. So there's so many benefits for vaccination, but the big question is, hey, Ryan, I understand that you tell me about the databases where there doesn't appear to be any additional risk to me or my baby from having vaccination, and it's likely to pr protect me and to protect my baby, but you don't, you don't know anything yet about the long-term effects of the vaccination. And that is absolutely right. We don't know. We don't know any of the long-term effects for any of us um, who are vaccinated. But what we do know is that women who do get infected with COVID, those mums are likely to be sick. They're likely to come to hospital. And if they come to hospital, there's a chance that their baby might be born early, born by cesarean section, and there's a higher chance of stillbirth. And we know from other studies in other diseases that infections in pregnancy can result in worse outcomes in the longer term, but not vaccination. So it makes sense that vaccination would help protect against the long-term effects. It's good to know that the mum's immune response can protect the small babies. Do you know how long it lasts between the mum? No, we don't know that. No, that's no, we don't know that. That's those studies are underway. Because I've actually heard one of the babies in intensive care has has caught COVID. Yeah, I mean we've we've had babies here too, and thankfully it's really uncommon. That's the first thing to say. So the likelihood of the babies catching COVID, even if the mum has it, is thankfully really small. Uh, you know, it was pretty scary. At the, you asked me at the start of this interview about what things were like over the last couple of years. You know, in the early days out of China, when everything started, um, the Chinese didn't know what to do, obviously. And there was emergency cesarean sections. Mums were separated from the babies and no breastfeeding. That's sort of where things started. And with lots of research since then, we now know that it's actually really safe to keep mum and baby together. We want to encourage breastfeeding, even in mothers who have got COVID-19, because we want that mum's immune response mm. to get across to help protect the baby. We want the mum still snuggling in with the baby, but we just ask the mum to put a mask on so she's not coughing directly on the baby. And we can obviously keep a very close watch on that baby, but we only test the baby if the baby's actually got symptoms and looks to be unwell. And thankfully, that's really uncommon. I'm actually wondering that one of the benefits about getting the vaccine, that would mean that if your baby does end up in ICU for some other reason, then they'll have a degree of protection in case an infection comes in from somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is vaccination keeps families together. So if a baby does need to go into hospital, if mum and dad or mum and support person are all vaccinated, then they're not likely to get sick and they're coming to hospital. You know, they're there to support. When women are in labour, we want their support persons there. Uh, we don't want them with a fever and a cough and unable to come. Yeah. So vaccinations, you know, we, we need loved ones around loved ones. It's so important. We've seen such isolation in this pandemic, particularly here in Victoria. We've seen the problems of mental health due to separation and the lack of connectedness between our loved ones. Vaccination keeps us together. I sort of almost feel really bad asking it, but one of the issues that people have been raising about the vaccine is its effect on fertility. I don't even know how that started. I mean, are there any statistics that show the vaccines are affecting people's fertility into the future? There is nothing to indicate any effect on fertility at all from vaccination. 
getting sick with COVID-19 is probably not a good time for fertility. If you're in hospital unwell, for women who are uh, having fertility problems and are pursuing IVF, getting sick with COVID, that's not going to help. We know the vaccine's safe. Uh, even on women, women on various hormonal treatments as part of the IVF regime, vaccination is safe. It's well studied. We need our community to help themselves and their communities to protect themselves against illness and needing to come to hospital. That's how we improve fertility. That's how we improve pregnancy outcomes. That's how we keep families together. One of the things that has surprised me is that sometimes people who've only had just one vaccine or even sometimes two can still end up quite sick and sometimes in hospital. Have you had any partially or fully vaccinated mums in hospital? Yes, we have had some partially vaccinated. So those who had just, yeah, just had one dose of the vaccination, um, we have had some in hospital, but none of those have had severe illness so far. I think the best data on this is actually the United Kingdom over a 12-month period. When they look at all the admissions to hospital of pregnant women, of which there were 3,300 roughly women admitted to hospital over a 12-month period with COVID-19 in pregnancy, So we need to pause and just reflect on that number. 3,300 is a huge number. In that group, there wasn't a single vaccinated woman. They were all at home. Those women who were vaccinated, they were coming to hospital just when they were ready to have their baby. The 3,300 women who needed to come to hospital for COVID-related reasons, they were unvaccinated. If you look at the US figures, 98% of women in hospital due to COVID-19 are not vaccinated. So it's huge. It's, it's striking data that tells us that vaccination will keep you out of hospital. You won't need to come to us at Monash Women's, which is the streaming site for COVID in Victoria. We won't see you. And you'll come to hospital hopefully just to have your baby. Obviously, getting vaccinated as soon as possible because we we are staring down the barrel of the fact that the doors are going to open and we won't be able to stay isolated from the community for much longer. No, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And I, so, the, for the question is, when should I get vaccinated in pregnancy? The answer is now, and it, it doesn't matter what stage you are, whether you're first trimester, second trimester, third trimester. It actually doesn't matter. It's been well studied. Even in the first trimester, when that vulnerable little baby is being developed, all the organs are developing, a vaccination is still safe. And we don't see any additional risk of abnormalities. So we need mums being vaccinated. It's such an important message. As I said, it's heartbreaking to see women who, you know, all the women we've had are not, are not vaccinated. And health literacy and how we get the message out to the community in different community groups is the, you know, I think that's a huge part of my role. The more we can be doing that, then the better. Associate Professor Ryan Hodges, Head of Perinatal Services at Monash Health in Melbourne, where he leads the high-risk pregnancy program for Victoria's largest maternity service and where it seems he is looking after far too many women who are pregnant and doing battle with COVID-19. I'm not leaving links. I'm sure that you can find links to make an appointment to get a vaccine as soon as you possibly can, just so you don't have to worry about all the complications associated with having this disease while you're pregnant. I'm Penny Johnston. I'll see you next time on Baby Talk. ABC Baby Talk is a weekly podcast on ABC Radio. 
wherever you get your podcasts and on the ABC Listen app. Like us on Facebook to find out as soon as a new episode is ready. Just search for ABC Baby Talk. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.